You're listening to Once, episode 232, Labor of Love, Initial Reactions. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron. <gasps> Aaron is here. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. Aaron is joining us. Thank you very much, Aaron, for joining us for these initial reactions. It's great to hear your voice on the podcast again. I am excited to be back. And Jeremy is still traveling right now, but we're still working out a way that you might get to hear Aaron's voice more often in the podcast, just schedules are weird to align and you know with the underworld and with Mer- mercury in um in uh, retro retrograde style no i was thinking retro style like neon lights and oh, okay. old big poofy hair I, I don't care about its grades but let's talk about <laughs> greek mythology a little bit as it relates to this episode and this was i think i enjoyed this episode more than the last episode, the return of season five. What do you think, Erin? I I agree. I think the return episode was more focused on like, let's bring back all of these awesome characters who we love because, wait, was last week the 100th episode? Yes. Yeah. And I think that that was more about that than actually uh, furthering the plot, as you may call it. <laughs> I do, though, feel like they made this episode just for Jeremy because of his whole Snow White, Mary Margaret obsession. Yes. And we now finally know. So it's nice. And poor Snow, though, everyone else has pretty much had one name. There's Emma, there's Regina, there's David, her own husband goes by the same name in both locations. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really nice then to get that acknowledgement that, okay, she is fully Snow White. So you think that will carry over into Storybrooke? I think that that's what they were saying tonight, that she's done with being Mary Margaret. She's going to go back to being just Snow White. There's been a little bit of that with Regina, just not being the evil queen anymore. But this seemed very intentional. And I think that it's time. It's time for her to stop being Mary Margaret and start being Snow White again. Yes, I love that. It's it's a lot of symbolism. And in our chat room earlier during the live show, which we always are chatting live on Sunday nights during the Eastern and Central Time airing, uh, Ariana Miller said something like this might be a foreshadowing of what the next season could be. Like maybe they'll all be back in the Enchanted Forest and Mary Margaret will be fully Snow White then. And that I keep throwing this out there. Maybe it will be the last season, but that could be really (laughs) neat as a last season to have everyone back in the Enchanted Forest, back in their places, back with their, quote, happy endings, unquote, in the place where they expected to have those happy endings. Yeah, I think that's good. I really enjoyed the first half of season two. I know that's not necessarily a popular opinion. But I really enjoyed seeing Snow White in the Enchanted Forest, finding herself again as Snow White, because I think she was more like Snow White then when she was trying to protect Emma and get back to Charming. But I think that it's really that's really taken a backseat the last couple of seasons. And I've had even coworkers at work say, "Uh, what happened to Snow White? She's supposed to be this like kick butt girl who's doing all these awesome things and then it seems like she's not doing anything and if she were back at that level the amount of progress they could kind of make with with these battles that they're facing 
Right. And in the chat room and on Twitter, some people were saying kind of similar things or in a way sort of opposite things about Meg, how what's going on with Meg? She's not supposed to be this pushover, basically. She's supposed to be a strong woman, a heroic woman from the uh, Greek mythology as well as from Disney's version of Hercules. And we'll dig more into the Greek mythology in our upcoming full discussion. It'll be great to have Jacqueline on with that because I think she brings a lot of Greek mythology knowledge to the podcast and can explain a lot more of that for us. But I kind of wonder something about Meg. Something just doesn't seem right to me about her. I agree. I wasn't sure whether she, I didn't know that Meg was, I haven't seen the Disney Hercules and I haven't, I don't really know much about Greek mythology. I'm kind of disappointed in a way that they're going that way just because that's not what the show has ever been about. And so it's so far out of my knowledge base. But um, I was wondering from the get go when, when Hook released her, whether she was going to be kind of a trap to get them to to come to the wrong place. Like I, I did wonder if that's the angle they were going to be taking. And even when they were walking, I expected something to happen to Hercules and Meg right until they actually crossed into Olympus. I was like, why are you standing on a rock and with fire below you and having a conversation? Go, go. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. She does go on to Olympus. I was thinking she might even have some kind of connection with Cerberus because it seemed it was always going after her both in the Enchanted Forest when Hercules died, Mm -hmm. and as well as here in Storybrooke, she's in the middle of town, and it's going after her, not everyone else. And then when everyone killed Cerberus, then she had this little fainting sort of thing, which makes me wonder, did they hurt part of her? Kind of like (laughs) Harry (laughs) Potter and the... uh, the little parts of Harry Potter scattered throughout the world. The Horcruxes. Yeah. And what a, a moment to borrow an idea from Harry Potter because the Cerberus was also a creature in Harry Potter and it was affectionately <laughs> called Fluffy. Yes. Someone did put in the chat room that all they could think about was Hagrid playing music to put Fluffy to sleep. Yeah. Hercules, did you try a harp? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's interesting. It makes sense to me why the creature was going after her in current day, but not in, not so much in the past. So that is an interesting. I assumed she just was trying to be all girly faint because that's kind of the type of character they seem to be making her out to be, regardless of what she's supposed to be like in the mythology. So, And by the way, I think I said it incorrectly. It's Voldemort who had the Horcruxes, not Harry Potter. I can't right. I can't remember which way I said that, but I just wanted well. to be clear there. But <laughs> spoiler then again, alert. Be, yeah, spoiler. Sorry. Um Harry Potter had one too. Like he was one. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he was. <laughs> Sorry. Big Huge spoiler, spoiler alert. There, but you should know that already if you've seen the movies. <laughs> now, there is a connection between Hercules and Hades. That one, I think we all expected that because that's the way the Greek mythology goes. Mm-hmm. Hercules is Hades' nephew and Hades is Hercules' uncle. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't remember, though, if we heard who Hercules' father was in this. I know that we should know from Greek mythology. (laughs) We should. But uh, so if they're going with the whole Greek mythology and the demigods and gods sort of thing, then that would mean Poseidon would also be one of those gods 
or demigod, whichever way they're going with it. Mm-hmm. And we've already seen Poseidon. So to say this is the first time, like in our last full discussion episode, I know I said this seems like the first time that they're getting into the whole gods thing. Uh, it might not be, but they've never addressed Poseidon as a god, more like just he's the ruler of the sea, the king yeah. of the sea. Which conveniently, Storybrooke is found upon a sea. So, I mean, there's lots of room to explore that further. But I do feel like we've had a lot of sea stuff already in the show with the Little Mermaid storyline and Neverland, etc. It was great to see Bailey Madison back. It was. And she did a good job, as always. She's... She's a great young snow. It's it's kind of getting to the time where she's going to be too old to overlap with how young Jennifer Goodwin has been in some scenes in flashbacks. Like right. we're almost getting to the time where they're the same age as I would say the funeral scene is the youngest we've seen Jennifer Goodwin playing snow, young snow, her dad's funeral. Right. Yes. So yeah. I would say... We're, get, we're getting close. <laughs> Maybe Bailey Madison will grow up to look just like Jennifer Goodwin. Maybe. She, d- she does. They, they look so similar already. So, But it does explain something. Another one of those questions we've had from the first season is, where did Snow White learn to be so good with a bow and arrow? Yep. We had for a while theorized it was Robin Hood until we saw Snow White and Robin Hood meet and discovered that, no, that's not who it was. And then we'd still wondered. Where did she learn? I think we thought, too, maybe Merida would, had taught her because mm-hmm. she's somebody else that we know is good with a with a bow and arrow. But, yeah, that was nice to see. It was nice to see her not yet be Snow White, the Snow White we know. It was nice to see her fumble and drop the arrows and, you know, kind of struggle because she's been a character. Like, yes, she's obviously struggled, but not so much in that way of confidence and not knowing that she can can do something. She's always been a very strong female character. So it's it was really good to see her kind of start out like that. And we, we know that she was this, you know, this innocent little girl who wore dresses all the time and was like that. And then we know that she became Bandit Snow, but it's, it was cool to see that transition yeah, and how it happened and how it was influenced and what like the motivation behind becoming that wasn't, you know, that she was stuck in the forest running away from the evil queen. It was to save her kingdom. Yeah. And we even got to see a glimpse of her banditry costume Yes, with young Snow White. When Snow White said that she was done being Mary Margaret and wanted to be Snow again, I was half expecting Charming to like, go find her the outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Here, it's time for you to wear this. (laughs) Maybe she will, though. And that could be really cool just to see her wearing that then the rest of the season. I feel like the pregnancy they're trying to hide and not doing a stellar as stellar of a job this yeah. time as they did last time. Well, well, because they didn't have to hide it last time. I feel like it would be harder to hide in a bandit snow costume. Right. They'll have to get creative with the camera angles and such. But maybe she'll start gr- growing her hair out as well. Oh, maybe. That would be interesting. It was also cool to see Cruella in this, which we knew we would probably get to see her because we saw the car and it made sense that she would be down here and we get to see her but now we actually did get to see her what do you think about her motivation yeah i mean it's good to see her she's she does a great job playing cruella i feel like henry needs to stop acting like he's nine years old like still like he's not that gullible he's a super strong character when he wants to be like look at last season he saved everybody 
And now he's like going to just go with her plan. And sidebar, Emma doesn't need to be saved. She's not been labeled a murderer. It's not like that's a title she's still guilty about and still carrying. That's been wrapped up. So I just feel like his motivation is weak at best and that he needs to just do what he's there to do. He's already like now he's lied to Robin Hood and I don't like where that's going. Yeah. And that he might find the quill, which (laughs) the quill is a living being too. And so it's down there. That's, that's (laughs) a really creative way of allowing him to still be the author. And so bravo to the writing team. I don't know if they planned that all along, but I think that's a really creative way to work it in. So that all could come into play with his writing some kind of story. Yeah. And perhaps he's going along with it just to find the quill so that he has that kind of that title back. But we'll see. I'm glad they're not just leaving us hanging because we have wondered about that since last season. But I'm interested to see where that goes. He's kind of going through his own hero's journey in a way. For sure. And speaking of heroes... You are a hero to our podcast, and we are very grateful for your support of the podcast. We could not do this podcast without you. So I want to thank our heroes for this episode of the podcast, Lisa Slack, David Newland, and our 27 heroes on Patreon. Thank you very much. You fill our quiver with magical arrows. We could not do this podcast without you. You make it possible to cover our expenses for running the podcast, like hosting the website, upgrading the server when we need to, hosting the media files somewhere else, paying for all the plugins and tools that are required for running the podcast, delivering the podcast to you on a regular basis. All of that costs money, and we're very, very grateful for your support. So if you aren't a hero for the podcast yet then please consider becoming one. Go to oncepodcast.com slash hero to check out your options. I really recommend that you consider supporting us through Patreon. You can do as little as a dollar per month, and that would help. So please check out your options over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. You are our hero. Thank you. I want to go back to talking about Olympus. Is Olympus simply where... Hercules gets to go? Or is that where everybody gets to go? Is Olympus the, quote, better place, unquote? I do not know very much about Greek mythology, but it's if if he's the son of a god, which would make him a demigod, which is what he is, you would think that the gods, wherever the gods live, is kind of the, quote, heaven of that mythology, and he did. He mentioned Olympus earlier in the episode when he was talking to Hades. I don't remember the context. Or maybe he mentioned it when he was talking to Snow in the flashback about getting all of the tasks completed. Mm-hmm. But that is an interesting question. It looked very heavenly the way that it kind of opened, the way that we would, in our culture, see a better place. True. And yeah, it makes sense that he's not just going on to a better place, but now he's getting to rule or getting whatever promotion he was up for, he gets his merit badge now. Right, his merit badge. Scouting for the demigods. Or his achievement unlocked. (laughs) What is this Hades guy up to? (laughs) I think he just wants people to stay in his world. He loves his power. It does seem that way. Is he expecting Hook to like carve the name of the next person to die into the gravestone? I, I don't think to die, but to stay to there. Stay. And he seems to have that power, maybe, or maybe not. 
because these people are leaving against his will, but is there something he can do to stop someone from getting the opportunity to leave? Well, I'm wondering if the people that are there in the underworld that are not actually dead could be killed while they're in the underworld. And then they would have to stay there because they would have unfinished business and he kind of has control of them. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And it could also be that he controls that worse place. Yes, it does seem like he he might. It kind of reminds me of Dante's Inferno where there's layers of yeah. hell. <laughs> so he might not control the the next place, the the worst place. That could be somebody else, but you know, he's definitely controlling one of the layers cuz the underworld it seems very um depends on what type of philosophy I guess you've read, but it seems like some interpretations of what hell would be like. And this may not be the only underworld. I kind of got that impression from Snow saying that all of the graves there in the underworld were from King Leopold's kingdom. Or she could have just been referring to this particular section of the graveyard and recognizing that, wow, all of these, not all of these gravestones, but all of these in this area are from my father's kingdom and I was a horrible ruler or whatever she was thinking. Yeah, that would make sense because Storybrooke is very much connected to the Enchanted Forest, which is at least partially, you know, her father's kingdom. And it was the curse that created Storybrooke and it was the curse that was aimed at that kingdom that brought them all there. So it would that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I was disappointed <laughs> that we didn't get to hear the answer of why is Storybrooke like the underworld? I thought as soon as we heard that question asked, I thought, yes, we'll find out why. This will be awesome. <laughs> and then his response, total letdown. But yeah. then again, this is Hades we're talking about. Yeah. I think I mentioned this when we knew, when we kind of had first mention of the underworld in one of the podcasts, but I, I often, you know, bring other TV shows in, but there was a show, Angel, which was the spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And the there was this whole big buildup to to Angel going down to the underworld to fight the uh, the senior partners of this you know law firm that was really like demonic. And then he goes on this elevator forever and then it opens and he's back on earth. And it was this whole metaphor of like hell is really earth because of the suffering that happens hmm. on earth. And so it was, it kind of, this is very, uh, it reminds me of that a lot because it's the same. It's the same world. It's just different people and it seems like you have to go to work every day and you you know go to gradings at your lunch break and it doesn't seem very hell-like it doesn't seem much worse than being here unless you're hook and you're captured by Hades but yeah it's definitely would make for some very interesting kind of philosophical discussions yeah they are getting deeply philosophical with this and in some ways spiritual. So I can respect they're trying to walk this very careful line to not necessarily say one particular religious belief is more important than the other or more right than the other, but they're trying to mix just everything together in their stories. Mm -hmm. And they wield a lot of power, just like Henry will probably wield a lot of power with the quill if he does actually try to do something with that. I, you know, coming back to that, I think Henry will probably try to do something good, not try to do what Cruella wants him to do. Yeah, like perhaps he could write them all out of there yeah. and with Hook, which was the whole motivation in the first place. It's nice to know that Hook is not in 
the someplace worse. We know where he is, and now he's just right there with Hades and being tortured, basically, mentally by Hades. I wonder how Hades would know, like, when this guy shows up, I need to grab him, and he needs to be the one that I'm torturing. Well, because Hades, and apparently everyone in the underworld, can see or hear what's going on back in the overworld. Cruella pointed that out, which was nice. We were assuming that already, but Cruella did clarify that for all of us to say, yeah, we we heard. Yeah, you know, like the gossip of hell. The underworld, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'd love your thoughts on this episode. Where do you think this is going? What are your theories about where we will go with this? Uh, what kinds of questions does this episode raise for you. So please send us your feedback. Our contact information is on the website at oncepodcast.com. And in the meantime, while you're sending us your feedback, we'd love it if you would share this episode with your friends. If they watched Once Upon a Time with you or you hear them talking about Once Upon a Time, say, hey, there's a podcast you should listen to that talks all about Once Upon a Time. And here's the link you should give them for this episode oncepodcast.com slash 232. Send them to that for this specific episode of the podcast. And also please visit that yourself and click on the sharing buttons there to share this episode with all of your family and friends and anyone that you think would enjoy listening to the podcast and benefit from the discussion about Once Upon a Time as well. And that's the best way that you can help us. It helps us more than iTunes reviews, more than donations, more than anything else is share the episode with your friends. Go to oncepodcast.com com slash 232 to do that. Please also connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Aaron and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. And until next time, remember, you can't let fear of failure keep you from trying. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Now celebrating over 9 million downloads. Thank you. And big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.